0: We have been, uh, in the season of Advent, thinking about the graces of sorrow. And uh, it's a strange subject in some ways for Advent. But as I've proposed to you, it's really the the most appropriate time of the year to think about sorrow. Because sorrow needs to uh, be experienced with the context of hope. And Advent is the season during the year when we um, vigorously hope. Towards the coming of Christ, first advent, and we still hope for his second advent. Um, I want to, to get, get something in your minds. I'd like you to get sort of a mental image of something. Um, my boys are all first responders, right? So they they run into trouble. They ran into trouble long before they were cops. But when everybody else is running away, presumably they're running in. For a while, um, when Colin was a paramedic before he became a police officer, he signed up to be the paramedic that would run into danger with the cops. They would all have guns. He wouldn't. So his mom asked what in the world he was thinking about, running into danger without even any protection. So... M- for many years, I was with a, a team of people traveling to Uganda and really came to love the, the culture of that country as, as many other col- countries experience their culture. And one of the things that happens in Uganda is that if if there's something happens to you, everybody apologizes. It's, you think Canada is is like that, sorry, sorry, sorry. It holds not a candle to Uganda. So we were walking through the market And I stumbled, um, just a little bit, and there was a chorus of probably 50 sorries that rang out all around me as everybody expressed their condolences with my simply tripping over a little stone. And I've not been anywhere where that exact phenomenon takes place, Uh, but I've thought about it often, how the whole community comes around people to say, sorry. Um, Advent is a sad season for many, many people. Um, So we have all heard now about Rebecca being taken home. She's free from uh, pain, distress, but she leaves her family and all those around her that that loved her. Uh, For some reason, this Advent, more than others, um, we have had people near us where it's a sorrowful season of the year and you kind of become this ambivalent person that says well I am I'm desperately happy because of the the lovely things that are packaged around Christmas and I'm also desperately sad because there are so many hard and difficult things that come into people's lives. So I want to talk to you this morning about being first responders and running in the direction that is not the one in which we are most likely to run when people around us are in difficulty. I want to talk to you about actually running towards um, those that are in difficult circumstances or for whom. Uh, the Advent season simply reminds them, again, that it was December last year or the year before or, or whatever n- number of years ago. Um, The book that I've suggested to you by Phil Zyla is uh, a book with a lot of insight. And one of the things that he says is this. um, Suffering is not natural to us and uh, it is not something to which we're attracted. Therefore, um, apathy and indifference are more natural to us than compassion. That's a whole mouthful, but... uh, What he what he is saying, if if I put it in my vernacular today, is that it's not natural to us to run towards people who are in sorrow. Uh, It's not natural to us because we we spend our lives trying to avoid troubles. If somebody loves hard times, we would, you know, sort of shake our heads and say, how how come that person seems to enjoy? Uh, when we talk about some people, we say she enjoys poor health, right She enjoys poor health, just to, likes to talk about it a little bit too much. So we think of those people and say, "Well, you know they 're kind of crazy um, because suffering is what we avoid. Uh, death is what we spend our lives trying not. Um, to have outwit us. We, we do everything we can to be healthy. We tr- try everything we can to live as long as we can. And, you know, there you go. So it, it, it's probably a very natural human inclination to stay as far away as we possibly can from people who are in sorrow in hard times. But just like all of the people around the Ugandan market who say, sorry... They're paying attention to somebody who has a difficult moment. Uh, so those of us who were followers of Christ, like the first responders, should rather than run away from people who are in difficult circumstances, we should actually find ourselves running towards them, running into the fire, running into the danger. Um, because we know our hope. And so as we think about the, the graces... Um, of sorrow, we're going to talk today about um, just the grace of comfort that we bring to those who are in difficult circumstances. Um, It comes at its proper time, and uh, as I've said, uh, Zyla points out these sort of uh, times in our lives when Um, where first of all, our words are shattered by by sorrow. And um, there are some circumstances where there are no words to really even frame any meaning around what's happening. And so we're, we're, we're rendered mute by sorrow. And it's a proper place for us to stop and then to stay for a while, And not to ourselves or have anyone else just kind of cover it over with some sort of, um, you know, nice idea veneer. A nice Hallmark card or a nice Bible verse. There are some times that the only thing you can do is be quiet. And the only thing you should do is be quiet. But then um, Zilo talks about moving from lament um, or, or from wordlessness to lament where we actually say how bad it actually is how terrible it really is the book of job is a long lament where he says you've no idea how bad it is it's even worse than you might think it is it is interminable it is unbearable and he's allowed to lament Um, the lord jesus lamented on the cross when he quoted psalm 22 and said my god my god why have you forsaken me um, but then lament gives way to community when, when we finally uh, realize that there are people around us um, that we need, um, that we are community to and who are community to us. And we can ease our way out of the, the shattering of any words at all Um, past the lament that says you've no idea how bad it really is, from the loneliness of that into community, where we dare to wonder if there's somebody that can understand what's happening, where we dare to wonder whether there's someone who will listen, uh, someone that will uh, have a, a shoulder, will have an arm, will have a coffee table, Uh, And, and again, as time moves along, we we ease ourselves in our sorrow all against the background of the great hope of the fact that Jesus has done what was necessary to fix everything that is the feature of, of our sorrow. Jesus has done all that is necessary, but we don't get it all just yet. And so we find ourselves moving through these phases, and when we get to community then we maybe for the first time in months or years or decades dare to look around and hope that there are people who really are family to us who really know us and really love us and then we can, we can finally kind of shift gears and say what I really want to experience and what I really want to be an agent for now is comfort um, I I have needed to be comforted, and now I want to be someone who comforts. So I want to take you just briefly this morning to this verse, this pair of verses in 2 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we are ourselves comforted by God. This verse, or this pair of verses, is lovely because it just plays on the the, the very same vocabulary over and over and over. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, of mercies. And the word uh, that is the word that means mercy is is a word that simply means um, sympathetic lamentation that's exactly what the lexicon says the word is all about so this God is someone who's characterized by being full of sympathetic lamentations so we know that we have someone as we find about Jesus himself who is not beyond the suffering that we experience who has been tested just like we have in every way, without sinning? We have this great high priest who is touched, and his father, our God, is said to be someone who is the father of mercies. He's he's the father of this sympathetic lamentation that says, "I know." Um, when you comfort a child, sometimes the most common thing to say is, "I know, I know, honey." I know, I, I know, sweetie, right? And you, you want the child to feel something, that there's, there's a mom or a dad who's saying, I, I, know, I know you think that nothing has ever hurt like this before. I know, I know. Um, when we try to support our kids in the difficulties of the, their lives, we, again, we kind of revert to that and say, I know, I know. And I wish your life had not turned out this way. I wish that relationship hadn't turned the way it did. I I know, I know. But the power of this verse is that, the, the truth is that our God in heaven is someone who looks over us in our sorrow, and he says, I know, I know. And so there's lots of room, first of all, for the silence when the words have been shattered, and there's lots of room for the lament that says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why can I not find you? Because that God, when we finally can, can give an ear to him, will be whispering to us, saying, I know. I know. I know what you're feeling. I, I know what it's like. But then it goes on and says, this God of ours is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort." And then the very same vocabulary shows up many times in the next verse. Who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And you think, Paul, you're a little heavy on the comfort there, right? And he's saying, no, I, I want you to get this. That the thing that you desperately need is comfort and if you want to know something that, that beautifully characterizes God, he's the God of all comfort. And he, he chooses one other word to, to describe the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So this God, who is the, uh, the sympathetic lamenter with us, says when you find yourself in affliction, and the word affliction is a word that literally means to be pressed or to be hemmed in. And if you want to characterize the, the most difficult of circumstances, maybe those words just, just dang it right on with it. You say, you know what, I felt crushed. I just felt as though I was crushed. I felt as though I couldn't stand up under the weight of it. I felt as though I had no way to turn. I felt literally hemmed in. Right, I, I felt as though there was no way to turn there was n- no way out there was no way back there was no way forward I was feeling like that and Paul says you need to know there's a God the God of all comfort and mercies um, who will be sympathetic towards you who will say I know I know um, and when you face whatever it is in your life that feels as though it is crushing you hemming you in he is the God who brings comfort, and the word "comfort," my last little language lesson here is a word that literally means um to be brought alongside so it's paracletos it's the word that gives us the the word for the holy spirit paraclete it it's a you know two words joined together that say called to help or called alongside so a paramedic comes and brings the paramedic expertise a para something is something that comes alongside of something else and God is said to be the God who is a paraclete kind of God he is called to come alongside us so when we are afflicted when we are pressed in when we are hemmed in this God comforts us he is the paraclete for us and he comforts us while we were in our affliction with the comfort that we have been comforted by God for which we are now equipped to comfort somebody else. It's, it's, it's this just little train of a process that happens when, when we kind of get to the end of the sorrow and begin to be able to look up and around and be able to be in fellowship with the people that have been silent first of all as they should have who have allowed us to vent as they should have and who have come by and said I will be coming tonight with a casserole I'll be coming the next several nights with that very same thing I will be coming around you um, to be community for you and at the end of all of this let us hope that there will be comfort that there will be a sense that that God, with and through others, has been the God of comfort. So the three things that I think about um, about the coming of God concerning comfort. um, The first one is that um, it's a God who came. um, The way his comfort is a package is that he came. So we saw the, the psalm last week, Psalm 41, verse one, where it says, "He bent down to me and heard my cry." And the, the very first thing that, that we need to know about how God is disposed in the thing that feels as though it is hemming us in and crushing us, that God has come." Uh, and many, many times we, we struggle to understand that He has come. Uh, We struggle to experience that he has come. Uh, I've told you about a lady who told me that while all of that was happening, God just sat on his hands. And where people will say, I I looked everywhere for God. Uh, But the psalmist, as God kind of prompts the worship of Israel, said, remember when you were crying out? Well, the Lord, who is the God of all mercy and comfort, he actually, he, he, he stooped down. He He bent over to you to notice um, when when people talk about why um, if if God is so powerful and loving, why He allows things to happen and why he doesn't stop it, and we all wonder that because sometimes he does, and there are other times he doesn't, and we get a little bit of a backstory sometimes or. Other times maybe we're left just scratching our heads and saying, well, I don't know. I just really don't know. Um, but we do need to know that, that God has committed himself to show up. He, he has actually, he has done the thing that will fix everything that is now characterized by the wreckage that has fallen down on your head. So th- there's no suffering that God has not dealt with. Now we're just waiting for him to come along and clear out the rubble and say, okay, let me also deal with the corruption, the deep-rooted evil that this world, this creation has been subjected to. Let me finally deal with that. And that's our second advent. That's what we're hoping for. We don't long for a baby in a manger, We long for a king with a crown who comes to reign and he comes to leave Satan in his wreckage um, having dealt with him, having bruised his head um, so that he then might actually bring about his kingdom to be king of kings and lord of lords. And the most faithful person signing all of this is Mereg who signs all of his emails. Holi a perhaps today, right? And that's our great hope. And we're in between people. We're people who are between what Jesus has brought about powerfully to what he brings about in effect when he comes to reign as king and lord. And Satan is vanquished, and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and nobody ever dies, and nobody ever is sick, nobody ever is disappointed, nobody ever has, a, has anything broken. It's just it's none of that stuff. Um, And so we say Emmanuel at this season, which means what? God with us, that God came. We say, why don't you do something about all of this? And he says, I did. I came. And some of the things that we've been meditating on in the poems and readings are just about the marvel of that, how that, you know, he came and was confined in a virgin's womb. I mean, so that as a helpless little child, that's his coming he came and he ultimately was was crucified on a cross a cross of his own creation whose every turn of fiber in the wood is known to him and he's nailed on that cross he came to deal with all of the stuff that is our trouble so that's the first part of this is that God came. And the second thing is that God comes. He does come. He comes into the middle of our difficulties and into the, the, the hemmed-inness of our lives. And he comforts us in that affliction. But he comforts us with a purpose. Paul says there's there's a reason for that, not only because God knows how to be the the one who will echo your lament not only because God will be the one that comes to, to join you and uh, to tell you about his listening and his fixing, but he has come to get you ready to help somebody else. Not to run away from others' suffering and sorrow, but to run towards it carefully, deliberately, in the middle of their own affliction. So the, the God who came is a God who comes, and he, he is a God who will come for others. Um, I, I would love you to see yourself as one of those people at the market in Uganda. I'd love you to think of yourself as the one running into that place that's on fire. right? Um, because wherever people have trouble, um, there need to be those who can run to them with the help of God. And it's not a natural thing for us to do. Um, we don't love to go there. Um, for years and years, as I was making hospital calls, um, honestly, sometimes at the door, I pray that they wouldn't see me. Or I pray that they wouldn't be there. You know why? Because I, I don't love to be there. Um, it, it's not where I wish we were at that moment i wish that diagnosis had not been delivered i wish that that tragedy hadn't happened um and i, I am almost always at a loss for anything to say y- you know you, they people probably think well then you go to college and seminary because you you can't put 10 words together when you try to help a person in in their suffering um i don't know what to pray i don't know what to say i do i don't want to say the wrong thing but i want to say something um and and that's natural we just we don't want death and suffering we don't want tragedy but we're called to run to it not away from it and i get paid to do it so i have to go but it is never because i want to go when someone is coming to talk to me about a difficulty in their lives often if it's a couple coming to talk about a marriage problem i hope they cancel honestly if anybody loves the stuff i do and john does and others do mike does we do it rel- we do it reluctantly we do it by calling and we do it because we should and because there's, there's that part of us that wants to be the right person because we want to bring help and comfort um, but not, not because we take any pride in it you know, not, not because at the end of the day when somebody thinks about their lives and the mess they have made they say oh thank goodness we came to talk to you and I go yeah, yeah good for you I'm glad you came because I'm good at this it's not, it's not gratifying because the stuff of our lives is the stuff of sorrow. It's the stuff of sin. And at the end of the day, we show up reluctantly and say, "Boy, first of all, I want to be careful not to say anything because in the midst of this wordlessness, there are no words. Um, I, I don't want to explain this. I want to just let you tell me how bad it really is. But I do want to be here, and we do want to be here to be community with you. And ultimately, um, until the day when Jesus comes, we want to bring comfort to one another. We want to bring the the paracletes, the, the role of having been called to come here, to run into this, to say, I'm so sorry, and to say, I am praying for you, and we are praying for you. And we don't even know how to pray or what to pray, but we're just going to keep on talking, hoping that God listens to us and can do something. Um, Because sorrow uh, is like a crushing weight. And it's like feeling as though you are pressed in from all sides. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I know of some of the suffering of some of your lives. I know that what has happened in your lives, um, God now would like to gently just speak to you and say, Can I use that? can I put you in someone's pathway who needs to hear your story? Uh, can that person make a comment to a friend knowing that you've gone through that as well, thinking you might have something to say? N- many times, along with our um, you know, hesitation to run into sorrow, we also run away from feeling as though we have anything to offer. What can I say? I honestly have nothing to say because all I had were questions. Good. If all you had were questions, then let this dear friend of yours ask her questions without you wagging a finger at her or um, scolding her for talking that way. Um, Yeah, we're working on our theology. Yeah, we're working on our, our systems of understanding scripture, but... We're still in a mess. We're all in a mess together. And Christmas time is a time of huge ambivalence, full of joy, great times with family, a uh, great message, and also deep, deep sorrow. Where, with every gathering of family, there's that ache of the one who's not there for whatever reason. Um, in every party, there's the person who sits in the corner uh, who feels as though she's in a vice. Um, so strong is the awful situation that's in her life right now and those are your friends and my friends those are the people around us so we'll say Merry Christmas but we also should say how are you really and when people tell us how they really are um, let's say sorry 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 let's run into trouble not away from it because if if Christians run away, who else should people turn to? You know, just go to a bar and get drunk because maybe that's the only thing that's going to help because there don't seem to be any people who are paying attention. They seem to ignore the topic. They're awkward about it. Um, let's not be those people. Let's say, sorry, sorry. And how are you? And... Tell me to be quiet if you need to. And vent if you need to. Say whatever you need to say. I'm going to sit here until you're done. And I'm going to figure out something that would be useful practically to you. And we as community will grow into the place of saying, "Wow, well the God we know is the God of comfort. He is the God who actually... Brings healing to people's hearts and brings peace into their souls. Maybe it takes a long, long time. Maybe it happens just the day before Jesus comes back, and maybe it happens after we're gone. Maybe I don't know, because the wreckage is still all around us. But God has come, Emmanuel. And we are hoping for his second coming. Um, we are people with eyes to the sky to wait for him to come and to say, There, it's done. It's done. Nothing's broken anymore. We're all good.